Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, diligent scholars, to another edition of the Star Seminar, the team taught class in advanced footballology. We are about a month away from NFL Christmas. We're all good little children wearing a star, get lots of gifts under the tree, and all bad little children wearing green with some sort of horrible color of wings get a lump of coal and get beaten by Krampus. Celebrating that fact is my co-teacher in arms, the great Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good. I wasn't sure where you're going to go with that. You had yeah, think about it for a second, but what, what label I get this week. Um no, I'm I'm doing good, Rabs. I uh, actually uh, been exercising a little more, uh eating some cauliflower rice, trying to trying to get a little healthier. You know, we're we're only 120 days away from Oxnard. So I want to make sure that I'm in, you know, Oxnard shape and uh, so doing well. Um, still kind of struggling with the sleep. Uh, I can't seem to get to bed early. Last night I was watching Lost Boys, which is one of my favorite throwback movies. You know, I watched that one as a kid. Uh, but, you know, one thing about when I was watching that movie, it caught my attention that I was going to ask you about is I, I love the Lost Boys soundtrack. I mean, the movie itself. Maybe, you know, people can argue a little cheesy. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the soundtrack's fantastic. I mean, even like the, the, the song, the cry little sister song, you, if you just listen to that and didn't know anything else about it, you just would think it's about vampires. Uh, so it's just great music. You know, they got the Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, um, Good Times by NXS, just a lot, a lot of good songs mm-hmm. in that soundtrack. So I wanted to ask you, Raps, because I know you, you know, you uh, have a, a, a wide assortment of musical taste, and it's always fascinating to listen to your opinion. What would you say is one of your favorite soundtracks of a eh, not-so-great movie? Uh, so I have one honorable mention, uh, a runner-up, and then a, a finalist. Ooh. And so my honorable mention is a movie that's... It, it, <laughs> I mean, in some ways, it's a really important movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a really important movie because um, it marks both this kind of debut of Richard Gere, the young, hot Richard Gere, but also, I think, by extension, marks a shift in Hollywood to men, boy, you know, young men for the first time, maybe ever, if not in the first time in a long time, being the kind of object of the camera's desire. And Richard Gere is that. 
so it's it's an okay movie. It's an important movie, um, but it's not a great movie. But the the sort of title song, uh, Blondie's Call Me, is a rocker. It's freaking awesome. It's a great song, one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, another movie that's not a great movie. Uh, I've never understood Ethan Hawke. I think he's I think he's actually I don't understand him as an actor. I don't find him interesting. I just find him kind of pathetic. Um, so this is an Ethan Hawke movie, um, Reality Bites, about sort of Seattle slacker mm, sound. Yeah. But um, so it's not a great movie, but um, not unlike Lost Boys, really great soundtrack that captured the sound of an era and the sort of energy of a, yeah. of a new musical era. I think both of those really did a nice job of, of capturing that excitement of of uh, sort of, you know, a new musical kind of, you know, um, efflorescence. But I think I think that the one that hands down is the combination of absolutely abjectly terrible movie, tedious movie in the extreme, but an amazing soundtrack by a brilliant artist has to be Purple Rain. Oh, it's a terrible! Wait a terrible minute. Movie. Throw, I'm throwing a but flag. I'm throwing a flag on that one. But it's an incredible um, musical endeavor by. Oh, that that's a fantastic album for sure. Known as yeah, but I, I feel like that's cheating, raps because I mean that's a Prince album basically. Is it, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we both uh, have talked about the fact that it's basically an album masquerading as a movie. It's a it's an extended you know it's an extended video, but nonetheless, it's a movie that got you know major studio release, so it qualifies you know, right. within the within the letter of the law, if not the spirit of the law of this particular exercise. It is a fantastic album, by the way. I mean, I, I love so many songs on on that album for sure. So good choices, Rabs. Um, I uh, I I have to say that uh, you know. I, I I love a lot of music uh, movie scores and everything, but it's 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 nice actually when you get a good soundtrack that has a, a bunch of songs, and I like songs that are diverse too. It's you got a, lo- a little bit of different stuff. So mm-hmm. um, speaking of different stuff, uh, what's going on today? Uh, so today we're actually going to uh, talk about what's been going on in Cowboys Land, and uh, we're gonna not really play a game more uh, so much as we're going to engage in an exercise that I'm calling process the process. I want to take a look at where the Cowboys are in this very unique space between free agency, which they're basically done with and uh, the draft, which is really now starting in earnest. So um, we're just going to kind of break it down and think, think a little bit more deeply about what are the Cowboys needs and how do they align with where the draft is strong? And, and, and can we maybe see some kind of pattern emerge from what they might do? But before we do, I'd love to ask you something. So the last couple weekends, we've seen um, some terrific basketball in a really, really unusual NCAA tournament. Um, I love those first two weekends of the NCAA tournament because that's when the upsets, uh, certainly the first weekend's when all the upsets happen. Second weekend, usually the cream rises to the top, but last weekend was amazing because we saw yet a- another weekend full of upsets and, and it looks like there's going to be some, you know, mid majors, at least one, if not two mid majors in the final, which is incredible. And so I'm reminded this year, every year, this, or this time every year, uh, that, the first weekend in particular, but, but both those weekends of the tournament are like among the pantheon of great sports weekends, uh, you know, every year annually. And so I just kind of want to reach out to you and say, like, what are your favorite sports weekends? Like, if you think about, I'm not saying like taking a trip and seeing the Cowboys play somebody and then seeing Oklahoma play Texas. I'm talking about like, you know, it's going to be on the tube. You know, you're going to like, you know, get your seven layer dip and kick your feet up and enjoy an entire weekend full of awesome sports. 
What weekend uh, gets you feeling that way? Oh, I that's a little bit tough for me because there aren't a lot of sport events that I like that go longer than a day. Like I don't watch the Masters or um, even I mean March Madness. I'll watch because you know you'll just kind of you're falling if you have a bracket you're falling your bracket or something or. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's, it's usually most of my most of my big uh, favorite sporting events are just single day uh, events, and it's um, a great majority of them are just whenever the Cowboys are playing. If it's a prime time mm-hmm. Cowboy game, you know, um, that one is definitely atop my list. Any Cowboys playoff game, but I will say if if I had to pick, um, if if I'm trying to answer this question, my answer would actually be the uh the NFL draft because that is multi multi days and I am super excited when the, that time rolls around. In fact it's not even really just multi days. It's like the it's a really draft week. The week leading up to it is just super excited because you know it's all gonna come come to an end soon. So I think the NFL draft would be my choice. Um yeah that's that's my answer, Rabs. Uh yeah, I mean, you're, you know you're not going to get any pushback from me on that one. I love the draft, and we're both the kind of guys who watch the entire draft obsessively from pick one all the way through to Mr. Irre- Irrelevant. I would say that the other the other one that really sits atop my pantheon, I do like the the uh, to watch the Masters, but I don't watch it every year. I mean, it's, sometimes it seems more gripping, and, and, I'll, and I'll stick around and watch longer. Um, but I've you know I, I've spent some very happy weekends watching the Masters. But the other the other weekend that is always a great weekend for me is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. You know because you you've eliminated some of the teams that have kind of squeaked in that maybe deserved it, maybe didn't. Usually in the previous round, not always, but usually. And so, um, and, and the, you know, the top teams have come off their buys and it's really like do or die slug fest, uh, among the, the league's very best teams. And, the, and there's just some terrific, terrific games and it, there's a bunch of them. And, and so, um, it, it's just great. Cause both days you basically sit down and you can watch football for six, seven hours and, you know, drink beer and, and eat disgusting fatty foods. And there's really nothing better. So those, those are my top, those are my top ones. I would probably rank them. Um, cause I'm weird. The draft probably then the divisional round and then March madness, but I might, t- but when the Cowboys are out of the divisional round, then I'd probably even rank March madness up above the division. Oh, round. so yeah, like, they're all, so they're like, all up there. so basically every year for the last 27 years then. Oh no, they've been it. in the divisional round. They just haven't made it past the divisional round. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so listen, I'll tell you what, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we get into this? Um, there's a lot to talk about. The first thing I want to, I, I want to um, sort of run by you here and uh, make sure you're taking notes on this students, because what Dr. Danny Fandom has to say about Cowboys free agency is going to show up on the final, I guarantee you. Okay, so um, I want to talk first about some of the news that's come out of the owners meeting, because there's some interesting things that, that came out of uh, interviews with the Jones family. Uh, as well as uh, uh, an extended sit-down with uh, head coach Mike McCarthy. And the first one is uh, a collection of of different little tidbits that I kind of want to work through that all have to do with the offensive line. And uh, one is that uh, Jerry was saying Tyler Smith's going to play left tackle and Tyron Smith's probably going to play right tackle, and therefore it seems like Terrence Steele is going to be the swing, which I think is, is really interesting. We need to talk about why that might be. Um, and I think there are, you know, when people heard that, one of the first questions that left to mind was, oh, oh okay, well, then who plays left guard? Um, so what are your what are your thoughts about 
those various conversations about the offensive line and uh you know what do you make of it well first off any any notion of moving terrence Steele to left guard to me just it, it makes me not you know nauseous because i just think mm-hmm. that he's the the way he's built and the way he moves uh, the way he gets off the snap, I think he just every all, all of his strengths really. He's he's made to be uh, protecting the edge. So I don't want any thoughts of doing one of those experiments, kind of like what they did with LC, where they didn't wasn't sure what to do with them, and they're trying to fill a hole. So they're just wasting half a half career of this guy, and you know. So I'm very anti moving still inside. As for who should be playing where as far as those three. And, and I think it's tough, but I really think that's something that's would reveal itself, you know, come toward the end of camp. You obviously how far along Steele is and his recovery is going to uh, play a huge role in, in this. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that that's a factor. Uh, how much do you want to tax uh, Tyron Smith's body is something else because the guy can't play a full season. I mean, we love him, uh, but he can't play a full season. He, he Every time he's out there, you're really rolling the dice. And so mm-hmm. to, to me, it almost like he, he would make an ideal candidate to be kind of a swing guy because, you know, you use him when you need him sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the Cowboys have cleverly constructed his contract to where, you know, if he, if that's what happened, then he would be making less than than what he um, would if he plays a full season. So uh, I feel like, to me, when I'm thinking about this, that's that's probably where I would go. But having the flexibility of Ty, Tyler Smith to play inside. Now, he, uh, granted, he, he will be our future left tackle, but I don't have an issue with him playing left guard right now because I think he, he was – he did a good job. And so – I guess my mind is Terrence Still as a swing is is probably not going to happen. I think that's just the front office their way of saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play the best five. We're gonna have a we're gonna be open to who who comes out there and and plays plays the best. And you know whoever that is, then that's who we'll go with, and that that's gonna make it easier for them to sit. Tyron, because they've had that open competition, you know, and they've given him a fair chance to to play. Mm-hmm. And if it's just, if if it's the younglings that are better, then that's the direction to go. So I kind of almost feel like this is just a whole lot of nothing, and yeah. we're we're gonna go with our young youngins on the edge. Um, Tyron will have they'll have Tyron in their back pocket. Now, if we don't have solutions at left guard, then you can see Tyler moving in there, uh, but not. Terrence still I mean that's that's silly I don't know are you are you with me here you got different thoughts on this well I think yeah I think I think you know when you said it's it's much ado about nothing I think that there's something to that certainly because we have to think about where we are I mean it was March 27th or something when when this came out and so um, the reality is that the coaches haven't worked with any of the players yet they're not allowed to work with any of the players yet I mean so this is all purely speculative I think however it's it's probably an indication that these conversations are happening. And, you know, the thing about Jerry is uh, he always wants to everyone to know he's in the know. And so whenever some sort of conversation like that's happening, he's always the one who's prone to leak it because he can't 
he can't contain himself because if he keeps a secret and he doesn't seem like he's the guy who's in the know. So I, I believe that there's always, there's always smoke around. Um, uh, there's always a little bit of fire rather, uh, you know, um, sort of motivating Jerry's smoke. But I also want to add this other piece to it because I think it's, I think it's actually potentially a, an interesting and important piece, which is that in his sit down, uh, Mike McCarthy said, hey, yeah, we, we basically installed the run game. We're really happy about it. Now we're working on some of the pass game. And, and one of the things he mentioned that, that we're working on is protections. And um, and he also mentioned that his goal is for Dak to play 20 games next year. And sure, of course, we want the quarterback to play 20 games because, of course, what that means is he's in the Super Bowl. Yeah, 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 that's great. They're in the Super Bowl. But I think the other thing about it is that, that they're really re- they're realizing that, you know, if it – if it wasn't for Dak getting injured in, you know, two of Mike McCarthy's three seasons, they might have had 12 or excuse me, three 12 win seasons in his tenure here, uh, or maybe even more. I mean, I think, I think he realizes that, that a constraint was put on their ability to grow as a team to, to uh, succeed as a team because their most important player was injured for, you know, five or more games. Um, and so I think I think there's some statistics here that a couple of people have been throwing out that I think are really important. And you know I have been talking about this, so this is not going to be anything new for you, right? But I think that the fact that last year the Cowboys were fourth overall in sacks allowed, but 28th in pass block win rate is a really interesting statistic. And what it tells me is that a Dak did a really nice job of getting rid of the ball quickly but also that the offense was designed for him to get rid of the ball quickly. And this goes back to something that that I've been talking about, which is he didn't have time to throw the ball downfield. And one of the reasons why he had to throw in tight windows was he had to throw the ball as quickly as possible. And they they weren't really exploiting a lot of the middle and, and deep part of the field because I don't think they had the time to. And that really that, that put a further constraint on on a on a offense that was already constrained by the fact that they couldn't run block toward the end of the year after Terrence Steele went out, the fact that Zeke was washed, the fact that the wide receivers couldn't get separation, et cetera, et cetera. So when when he's talking about protections and the goal is for Dak to play 20 games, it makes me think that they're trying to potentially address some of this. And that's why I wonder if they actually don't know that Terrence Steele can be the starter because I think that Terrence Steele is a really, really good run blocker, and but he's one of the culprits. And again, pass block win, win rate, we can accept it as a stat or not. I think it's actually a pretty important stat, but he was actually one of the guys on the, on the offensive line who was at the bottom of that list. And so if they want to be a team that's more explosive in the passing game that goes deeper, that, I mean, it, it seems like they want to add more speed and, and be able to, to threaten defenses, both horizontally and vertically. If you got your guy at right tackle, especially if you're going to go to, you know, if you're thinking about more, let's say five man protections where you're sending more people out into the, into the route. Is Terrence Steele actually the best right tackle for that? And so I'm not, I'm not even saying we need an answer right now. I think it's just, to me, it's an interesting question. Because I I love Terrence Steele. I love how he's developed. I think that that the you know he's an absolute key. He and Zach Martin next to each other, an absolute key to the to the run game. And when he went out, and and when they dithered with putting 
you know, Leo Collins in instead of him a couple of years ago. It's very clear in both instances when he left the lineup, the running game suffered. But I also think that if they want to be a team that's going to not rely on always keeping tight ends or running backs in to protect him or to, to, to sort of help out and always have, you know, six man protections or, or, or more then I, I do wonder if it makes more sense for them to go with the two Smiths and have him be a super sub backup. That's, that's all. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I don't know. It's just interesting, interesting little tidbits that came out. And again, we're trying to make, create a narrative from something where, you know, we're getting three words from page 11 and four more words from page 67 and, you know, two more words from page 114. So who, who knows? But it, I, I can see a consistent narrative that takes all those things into account. I don't know. What about you? No, I mean, I hear what you, what you said, and I don't really have anything to argue about. I, to, I will say this, though. And I, I'm never one to, like, dismiss the data because I'm, I'm a data guy. I, I, the data speaks, you know. Uh, but I will say this. I, I just I don't see a lot of it. I mean... I I I I was very happy with the, the Cowboys offensive line. Now, granted, I probably that's from coming from a perception where you just kind of expecting it to all go south. You already you knew how my feeling was going into the season, so I was pleasantly surprised for sure. But I really I thought you know both Tyler and Terrence did a really good job on the ends. I I know that uh, pass uh, blocking isn't his strength. Um, but I, I still think he does a good, he gets off the line of scrimmage so fast and he gets into spots so well. And he's got that length to get in the chest of the defender. I mean, he does so many things well. Uh, it just, I didn't like, I was never watching a game like, man, Terrence still, somebody get him out of there. Get, mm-hmm. get Josh Ball in the game or, or, you know, Jason Peters in the game or, you know, or so I, I, I was never like that. I was always impressed with, with what he did. And I think that what we saw last year, as far as like when Tyron came back and he wasn't the left tackle, it just speaks to the confidence they have in in their rookie, um, uh, but I also think they feel feel extremely good about what they have in Terrence Steele too. So I would be shocked if those guys were not the bookends of this offensive line uh, to start or at the meat of the season, uh, barring any type of health, um, you know, bad health that jumps out. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, that's I. Uh, I know it's 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 hard it's hard to wrap your mind around. It does also make me wonder if uh, Chuma Doga was not brought in to be the left the left guard. Maybe I don't know. I get, we're going to find we'll find out, right? We'll find out. Um, so I will tell you what, let's let with that in mind, let's let's begin our our exercise here. That uh, as I said earlier, I would like to call process the process. This is a process. It's a process. It's a process. If you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, we got to process the process. Okay, so this is going to be a four-step exercise. One of the one of the steps might have a couple of parts. The first the first step, what I want to really do is just let, let's take a look at the roster now that free agency. I think we can say now with the Hankins signing that free agency is for the most part wrapped up. I mean, they may still bring on, uh, you know, Watkins a defensive tackle. They may sign a you know a journeyman linebacker. Who I mean, they may sign a person here or there. But for the most part, I think that that free agency is wrapped up. And so if we look at the roster, I think the first thing we have to say ask ourselves is where are the soft spots where are the weaknesses and in 
in asking that, I think one of the things we also have to ask is what contracts are going to end at the end of this year? Because one of the things the Cowboys do, and I think this is smart business, one of the things the Cowboys try to do is draft people's replacements a year ahead of time, or at least find a way to address impending um, impending soft spots. So when we think about weaknesses, I think it's really important that we also consider expiring contracts because the Cowboys certainly will. And if we're going to process their process, then we have to at least, you know, um, try to align ourselves somewhat with with what they're going to be doing. So, uh, in your estimation, where are the soft spots in the in the uh, in the Cowboys roster right now? I think that's really difficult because, I mean, when I looked at this roster, I was actually going through, and I feel like a great majority of of positions are filled by Pro Bowl level talent or guys who can become poor bowlers they're just they're on the cusp you know they're just there's so many of them so it's hard i mean when you start to look at breaking down the positions it's like hmm, you know they're not really that bad anywhere um mm-hmm. have a tough time finding uh soft weak spots uh, i i think that maybe linebacker still qualifies there because outside of layton i mean we got damone clark who's a second year player but you know he's a second year player and uh so, you know, we don't really have a lot of depth there. Uh, I also think that defensive tackle is always, every year, it's always something that we're worried about. Uh, even though the Cowboys really, they had an abundance of, of depth last year. Um, I don't, they don't have that now, but they are sitting pretty good. I mean, I love the Hankins, you know, resigning. Uh, and I think and I love the contract. Woo. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love all the contracts. I mean, you can't, there's not a contract that Cowboys haven't worked this offseason that I had just like haven't, you know, enamored. It's just, it's been just fantastic. Um, I, you know, I think that there's still some weak spots because outside of Osa and, you know, Hankins, you know, he's, he's only here for a year. And there's, the, I mean, Gallimore, I don't know what to expect. With him, Bohana's getting, I mean, what, I think he'll be year three of his rookie deal. There, So there's some room for improvement with, uh, with at the defensive tackle spot. Uh, so I would I would identify that. Um, but honestly, Rabs, and I guess my my only other spot then really is going to be guard. Because um, mm-hmm. the, the aforementioned left guard that we were just talking about? The aforementioned left guard, yeah. And just because right now we don't have, we're missing a starter, we don't have one. That's one of the one of the positions that we actually don't have a starter for, um, at least not one that we feel good about. Um, there are some options, and we have some good depth. I, mean, people, I think people like Matt Farniak, but I think people like him as a guy who can come off the come off the bench or line up as fullback and play, you know. Sparingly, they don't want him actually to be the answer at left guard. So um, that's I think that's probably one of the weakest mm-hmm. there. But outside of those three, I don't even I think the the, the Gilmore signing just changes changes the cornerback outlook. I mean, it kind of just takes it from a fringe weakness to a you know on borderline strength, and uh, it's kind of the same thing with Cooks and what happens with wide receiver. How can you not look at you know, CD cooks and lamb and not think, wow, that's a pretty good trio or receiver. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they're just not, and it's the cowboy safeties. We got all three of them. It's support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. 
You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. I think I think I think you identify I think you identified some some really good soft spots there where where uh you know I think you said there's not really a, I mean I think Hankins is still a stopgap. I mean I think he he did a nice job. I think he's that wide body we've wanted for a long time. I think we like him better than he actually is because in some ways he represents the desire we've had for so many years. I think he's perfectly he's perfectly lovely there. But you know, I mean ultimately you'd like a younger player there. Um so I think I think you identified linebacker, defensive tackle, and, and offensive guard. I think those all those all make a lot of sense. I would also say, also say who's the starter at running back? It can't be Pollard. He's he's not he's not a he's a rotational guy, but he's not a starter. He's a he's a he's an important uh, rotational piece. I'm not saying they need to get a quote unquote starting running back, but I think they need another important rotational piece. I don't think that Malik Davis or Rico Dowdle can be relied on to be anything more than a special teams guy you know everyone's like oh Malik Davis is so good but yeah he came in and he came in when they were beating the snot out of, of other teams and they and they were those teams were you know had basically given up and he, he ripped off a couple of long runs I, I you know I, I I haven't seen him ever do anything when it you know when the game was close and it mattered so until he does I, we can't rely on him um and then the other is tied in like who's replacing Dal- Dalton Schultz and it's there's a couple I think possible explanations here one of which is they're not going to replace him because they're going to be going to like four wide as a base offense or something like that, where they're going to be, you know, they're going to be going to a lot more wide receivers. And I think that that's something that Mike McCarthy has certainly shown he can do. You know, there's there were times in, in green Bay where he had four guys who each had like, you know, 500, 600 yards uh, 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 receiving. And so, you know, distributing the ball among a, a cadre of wide receivers um, is something that I think that, he's more willing to do and he sees as, as potentially part of his offense but also speaks to what we were saying earlier about five-man protections if you're going to be sending that many people out into the route you have to have um you have to have an offensive line you have to have protection schemes that can hold up so 
I think that those I think those are all open questions and they and they haven't done I mean yeah they got they got Ronald Jones in but I you know he seems like in many ways he's just a guy who's there in case they running back doesn't fall to them I I think that he's eminently replaceable just like Hankins is if 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 they you know a great defensive tackle or someone they really like falls to them in the draft. I will also say that I think it's really important, as I said earlier, that we look at next year's expiring contract. So while there's not necessarily an, a glaring hole, they can't wait till next year's draft to fill the holes that are going to, that are going to open up at some of these positions. So next year, there are four offensive linemen whose, whose contracts expire. Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, Tyler Biotish, and Chuma Doga. There are, five defensive linemen whose contracts expire. There are five defensive backs whose contracts expire. There are three running backs whose contracts expire. And so I think that those positions, just by, by virtue of the fact that next year they're gonna, they're gonna, there's going to be a significant attrition, you almost have to address each of them at some point because if you don't address them now, suddenly you're, you're, you know, you're having to replace five guys next year. And so when you, how are you going to do that? You're going to draft five guys on defensive line. You're going to, you know, you're going to sign a bunch more um, journeymen. What are, you, what are you going to do? I think it makes a lot more sense to try to draft a guy or two now, let the, let the old, let the old guys go. And um, you know, you, you, re, you replenish your, your defensive line. Um, so I, I think that it feels to me then that we've got offensive line, specifically guard running back, defensive tackle, tight end off. Uh, and then, um, you know, defensive defensive line and and even defensive back, whether it's corner or safety, because you know they've got J. Ron Curse and Malik Hooker. Their their contracts are both up at the end of next mm-hmm, year. Right. So, I mean, in some ways, when you when you when you look at that, you go, oh, they no wonder they had to bring back Dono, because otherwise they would have lost all three of those guys in a two year period. You know, and then and you're and then you're there's no continuity. You're building from scratch again. It's almost like you had to you had to. To make, to make that move because this is a really really thin year for safeties in the draft. So, um, with that in mind, let's think about where the strength is, or where the deepest positions are in terms of you know mostly mo- the, the sort of draft guys that we follow and what they're saying the strength of the draft is. Um, I've I started mine by looking at Dane Blue, sort of using as my as my foundation Dane Brugler's top 100, and then then sort of flesh that out with um, with other folks as well. But um, what are your what are your thoughts in terms of what your your understanding is uh, about which positions are strong in this draft? Yeah, I think that there, you know, the, as there are in most years, you look at some of the a few of the money five spots like corner, edge, and receiver. You always have some pretty good talent and a lot of players in the top one hundred and in those areas. And I don't think um, this year is any different in that regard. Um, I think there's just a lot of talent there in particular to me, one of the positions that stand out is, is cornerback. Um, there's a, there's a lot of corners in this that, I mean, I've been watching film on corners and it's like guys that are really down, down the, the rankings are just, I can say, Oh, I could see that with, he could be a good fit. Uh, um, and, and, and they fit the Cowboys and specifically Dan Quinn's, um, sort of physical profile. Too. Yeah. Like there's a lot of really good 
tall, long corners. Right. You know? Yes. And so he, they, there's a guy who could, who, you're not going to be drafting a stubby armed corner in round four. There's a dude who's six foot one with a 32 inch arm that's available in round, in round four. Yeah, there are. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so that, that's an interesting position, um, for me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about that actually last week. I actually thought, I felt like when I started looking at these corners and like there's, there's a couple, there's like three of them that's kind of early. And then there's kind of three that were kind of like late first, early second, you know, there's, and then, then after that, there's like a bunch of others, but there might need some work. There could be some development mm-hmm. guys. So to me that just popped, it's like, oh, that's why they got Gilmore. It's like, you know what? I don't think they're going to find their day, their starting um, outside corner right in this draft because of where they're sitting in the draft. And so, but, but yeah, what they, they, they know it and it's they unlikely. know it. Yeah, they right. know it's it. unlikely, but right. they, they have, there's a, a plethora of guys that they could de- develop that could turn into somebody who could be ready, like say next year when Gilmar's not here. So that's one of the spots. I mean, I, I, I think the Cowboys are going to, I I think it's a, just, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to drop the corner. Uh, that's one of the spots outside of that Rabs, It gets really tricky because. There's so many ways they can go. This team loves to, they like to draft pure. So they like to say that they draft pure. They're not mm-hmm. needs based. And I think for the most part, they, they do that. Um, and because of what we just talked about earlier is like, you just, you can't find a lot of big pressing needs. So it's like, you know, why take, even if the edges are deep? I mean, if there's a bunch of Dorrance Armstrongs in this draft, are they going to get one when they when they already have one and they got a Fowler and they got a Micah and they got a Sam Williams and they got a Tank? I mean, so I, you know, I don't know if if that's a direction they'll go. It's I, I I've been having a tough time trying to strategize like what I think could happen. I mean, it almost points me back to they might just do what they did last year. They might just take another offensive tackle who can play guard or somebody who's strong. Mm-hmm. You mentioned players that like you know Tyrants won't likely not be here next year and they want they they want to improve the line so i wouldn't surprise me at all if they took an offensive tackle in round one yeah i, I honestly like uh it would if, if they took the same three positions they took in the first two days last year this year it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me they got a wide receiver an offensive tackle and a defensive a defensive lineman you know it, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me um, so let me, let me ask you this. It also feels like there's a little bit of depth at running back and, and maybe not, maybe not early, but I think there's, there, people are saying it's a really strong running back class and there seems to be some options, especially like at the end of round two. Um, and it, it also seems like, uh, you know, a lot of folks are saying it's a good, it's a good tight end class again, not a lot early, but there's some, there's some guys who I think actually can fall where the Cowboys are picking is that there's a, there's a little cluster at the end of round one. It's a little cluster, maybe at the end of round three, a little bit of distribution across round two, you know? So I think that there, uh, and there's depth at both those positions. So I'm one of the things that I believe about the Cowboys, and it's always hard to judge the Cowboys draft um, philosophy since McCarthy took over because of a couple of different things, but, but I think there, there's, there's a lot more tight lipped in Valley ranch or not Valley ranch at the star. Now, I think that um, the first year where it was a pandemic sort of made communication and analysis really, really difficult, but it, it feels like the, that one of the keys to their philosophy is still that what they want to, and it makes a lot of sense, right? It, it, and there's no reason to go away from it because of that is that they want to make sure that they draft 
deep positions, especially positions that are deep after round one, because they know that the likelihood is they're going to be getting value. We've talked about this before, where there's a chance in round four, you're getting a guy who has a high second round, third, early third round grade. And so if that's true, then it makes a lot of sense to me why they haven't gone out of their way to get a quote unquote starting caliber running back or a quote unquote starting caliber tight end, because they believe that they can get value in those positions in this particular draft. So I think that I think the really interesting question is edge because it's a really great draft for edge. And there's a chance that there could be some edge rushers who I think are probably going to go in the first half of the first round. But if any of them falls to the second half of the first round could be a a tremendous value pick. So that's going to be, I think the real, the real thing that could sort of upset the apple cart, but otherwise it seems like the things we've identified cornerback, tight end, running back, wide receiver later, maybe a defensive tackle. Seems like they're looking at some defensive tackles. And then, of course, like an offensive guard. It feels like those are the positions where the draft has a little bit of strength other than guard, and the Cowboys have allowed themselves to still have need. Right? I think that, I think that's the best way to look at it. They've allowed themselves to still have potential need because they feel like they don't want to spend a bunch of money drafting a guy who's going to be replaced because there's a plethora of talent at that position in the draft. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, like when we were going through the positions too, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even mention running back because I'm already along those lines of thinking like it's, it's something I just know that they're going to be able to solve in the, in the, in the draft. And you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. If you look at how many players, you know, that, how many good players that will be available after round two at running back? There's a lot. I and mean, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of players that can, can come in and um, teams are going to be happy with, and, you know, with uh, at the running back position too. So I, I definitely think that's they're going to take advantage of that. Uh, that's why all this talk about, you know, kind of going early. Does, you know, I don't, I'm not really getting into that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna say ignore a player who, who's a top ten talent if you get him at 26. I'm never gonna, you know, make a blanket statement like that. But I'm certainly not looking to to take a player at a position that's deep in this draft early when I know I can get a, you know, a a good player later. And so that's and I definitely running backs one of those. I'm not sure what to make of tight ends. I feel like there's a hand. There's maybe a you can count on one hand that would be like a more quicker come up to speed type of media contrib- contributors at, at tight end. Whereas after that, you just got a bunch of different development guys that have certain skills um, that would, you know, be some, someone the Cowboys can take later. And I think there's a lot of interesting prospects. And of course we know the Cowboys value the, they're blocking tight ends. You know, they want, if you can't block as a tight end, then you just don't have much value for the Cowboys. And they've kind of, they've shown us over the years, you know, they put the emphasis on, on that. I mean, look at Schultz himself. I mean, he's getting the big money or, well, he's getting his money because of his past, <laughs> past catching. Uh, but I mean, he, he when they, he was drafted, he was drafted because of his blocking ability. I mean, he didn't even catch passes hardly. What was it? Stanford. I think, uh, you know, in his college, he wasn't just yeah. not noted. Yeah. They, no, didn't, they didn't throw the, they ball. didn't throw I mean, the ball. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's a, there's, listen, there's a reason they keep going to Wisconsin and Stanford for their tight ends. It's because those guys have pro style running games. And those, those, they, the, the tight ends are tend to be inline guys who know how to block and, and have some, have some athletic ability. And they, they feel like 
it's so hard to teach that. It's so hard if you if, if you're just speculating about whether like a a guy who spends his whole career his whole college career split out wide, who's basically a glorified wide receiver, how do you teach that guy to block? It's much easier, I think, to, to do the opposite. So, yeah, I think tight end's an interesting question, but it wouldn't shock me at all if, if they if they draft one. So let's let's talk about some of these positions. So we've identified. Let, let's leave let's leave edge aside because I really think that they'll probably only do that if 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 like a one of the the top top talents falls and they just can't resist because it, it the value is too great um because you know i mean like listen let's be let's be clear demarcus lawrence doesn't have that many doesn't have that much time left you know they're going to need somebody um okay so let's talk about where the strength is distributed like so so you know where are some of these corner we talked a little bit about that but where are some of the where where are they likely to find uh, value at, at cornerback um to me, again, I feel like the, you're you're looking at they can do a lot of this on day two. I mean, if, if I think from actually you know second round to to fourth round, those those rounds, all three of those, I think there's a lot of good uh, prospects that uh, would be appealing to the Cowboys. So I, I could see that happening in either any of those. Rounds. I don't think they necessarily, like we talked about before, um, I don't think they'll necessarily have to go early. Um, I think we'll be out of the mix of the of the big three, and I don't think the Cowboys are the type that like to settle. So, you know, I think it could be one of those things where we could see them, you know, going later. So, I, I don't know, I just, I really, two, three, and four, you're, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of good prospects that I, at mm-hmm. least that I like. I don't, I don't know how, how you feel about that. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And if, you know, if we look at some, if we look at some of the distributions that we've seen, I mean, I think there's a lot of corners. I mean, there's a lot of corners high in the first and high in the second, but boy, that third round, I mean, that third round is, there's such a big fat, you know, group of, of really good corners, like in, end of two, uh, all the way through three, that I think it makes a lot of sense that, that you know, maybe late on day two is when you'll start, is you'll see them dip into the, into the corner market. How about, I know we, I know we talked about how mystifying this is, but how about tight ends? Where, where are you seeing the, the distribution for, for tight ends? I think that there are a few that I would call round one, round two type players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think after that, there's just a lot of interesting prospects. Uh, I, I I don't know that the Cowboys are going to go early just because I don't think they need to. I think they really like what they have in Ferguson and, and Hendershot. I mean, I don't and, – and and honestly, and, and McEwen gives them depth too. So I I don't even think tight ends a need. I, I feel like they could totally get away with, with going late. And there's all kinds of prospects – with different uh, traits that, you know, the Cowboys can kind of hone in on certain guys that they like and, and, and take flyers on, or, you know what, uh, the, the next tight end to our roster may be a, a priority free agent. I mean, that's, it could be like that. I mean, I don't necessarily think that they're going to go in one of these early ones. Um, you know, there's, there's only a, a handful to be honest. And then after that, you're really, you're taking guys that you're gonna, not going to make an immediate impact. So, um, I kind of feel like that's it's going to disappoint people because I think people are like they think we got a stacked roster they want to plug those holes with this maybe like a running back and a tight end and then you know no one's going to stop us but I think they'll be disappointed when Cowboys do not dedicate uh, premium resources at those positions. 
Yeah, I think if the Cowboys direct uh, uh, allocate resources, it's either going to be a premium resource or a very end of the roster resource. Because the thing about that is that they could get, if they want to get a guy like early day three, they've already got that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, do we really want to, I mean, they've got Hendershot, they've got Ferguson. Do they need a third guy who's exactly the same or roughly the same? I mean, so unless they find someone who's like a tight end with a, you know, with unusual athleticism who can like, you know, threaten the seam or do something like that, it feels like, like what you're saying is right that 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 the, then they'll probably just get get a UDFA or get a six round guy you know get a Jeff Swain type something like that especially if they want to prioritize blocking, but I also think that there is a cluster of talented guys who are viable like they'd be realistic options at 26. So I do think that there's a depending on how the board breaks, I think there's a chance that they go they don't go tight in early. But I don't I think if they don't get one in round one. Unless one of those dudes falls to them at 58, they're not going tight end early. Yeah. Um, how about running back? Um, again, I feel like it's there's just so much talent late. I mean, you can – there's just uh, – you really can – I don't know. This, this draft class is so deep with, with running backs. Uh, I feel like, like I said, mentioned past – from rounds third, the third and fourth round, there's like 10, 10 guys there that mm-hmm. teams would love to have. So um, that's, uh, yeah, I just don't see the Cowboys, you know, good going early there. Front. And and they don't have to. There's just a lot of a lot of good choices later. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, so um, with, with the potential exception of B. John Robinson, but I, I'll say here what I've said on Twitter a bunch of times. If he's truly a top 10 pick, he won't be available at 26. Yeah. Right? yeah. If he's a top 10 talent, he won't be available at 26. That never, ever happens. Somebody will trade up. Somebody will, you know, there, there's going to be a frenzy to try to get him around 16 or so. Now, if the Cowboys want to trade up that far to get him, then that's then that's what they can do. But, like, you know, he's not the kind of dude who's going to drop to 26. Right. And I think it, uh, this is all going to be moot. Truly, if he's truly generational. I mean, you're, you're saying like Adrian Peterson's going to drop to 26 or, or Ezekiel Elliott's going to drop to 26. He's the same level player coming out of college. And, and then we saw both of them, you know, neither of them got out of the top eight. So yeah. I have a hard time imagining this cat's going to, even though the position has been devalued because everybody seems to think he's an exception. So it, that's, that. I think it's a, it's a, it's a ludicrous pipe dream to think that he will. And if he does, then that tells us that the league doesn't value him nearly as much as, you know, as Cowboys fans who of course are also UT fans do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that if Jameer Gibbs is there at 26, or if they trade back in, into the early second round, if Jameer Gibbs is around, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I know, he, I know he's another scat back you do, but he's good. Yeah. He can do everything. I like him too. I, I, I actually like him. I actually, I, I might even like him more than Robinson. I, I mean, Robinson's a, a great player, but uh, Jameer Gibbs is, is, is so suited for the modern NFL. I totally agree. And to me that it's one A and one B. I mean, that's how close they are to me. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I really feel like, I mean, the Cowboys, I don't really think they can mess it up. I think there's just a lot of, when you're picking at 26 anyways, there's not a lot of mistakes you can make. And even when we th- thought they made one last year, they turned out they didn't. So I, I just don't feel like if they if they did go running back, I don't think it would be a bad thing. And if they did go tight end, I don't necessarily think it would be a bad thing. And here, I want to get this on record because I know we don't have time to go through everything. But, you know, I think there's going to be a surprise in the first round. And I think it's possible that that surprise could come in the form of finally a defensive tackle. You know, they haven't drafted a yep. 
yep. defensive tackle in the first round since Russell Maryland. Um, there are a couple kind of that are in that little range there where it's like, hmm, you know. No, you're absolutely right. I was actually, I was, I was going to close out our, our discussion of the various positions with exactly that point because it feels like if we look at the 21 through 30, and I'm just – I'm using again. I'm using Dane Brugler's top 100 right now, so I know that's not the gospel, but he's awfully good. If we look at that, there's there's a, there's a there's a sort of uh, a bulge of guys um, who are who will be available at these positions: tight end, wide receiver, defensive tackle, and maybe edge. If those guys if those guys fall, mm-hmm. and so I think you know you're talking about a defensive lineman. I mean, we we've already said there's. Five guys who are going to be gone next year. I think defensive line. I think defensive back, and I think I think running back all really and tight end to some degree, all really match up with where the Cowboys have elected to continue to remain low, or where they know they're going to need somebody next year. Yes. And so I I think I mean I think that those are really the positions to to look at, and and then also offensive line. So here's here's the other thing. Is, is it just setting up so it's so painfully obvious that they're just going to get the best available offensive guard in round one? I don't think so. I mean, I just, you know, people will say that when, when the pick is made, they're going to say, look, at the Cowboys backed themselves in the corner and they drafted by need. But it's the opposite of that. They know the landscape of the draft. They, they, they've set their needs up to be, you know, they could be filled in the draft. So mm-hmm. if it if it ends up that way, that's be, it's it's by design. I mean, it's like the Cowboys, mm-hmm. they expected this to happen, and you know. So no, I mean, and I, that's why I feel like the they've done such a good job to where it could go in so many different directions. Really, I mean, they they have mm-hmm. the flexibility where they can they could do go go anywhere in round one, and I don't think it it would hurt them. So so let so let's just let's let's see if there's anything we can glean from this exercise so we've talked about the fact that uh there's a lot of positions where we're we're like there's no need to get it in this position in round one because there's really great depth and really great talent down down we talked about corner we talked about uh running back we talked even about about tight end um i think the same same thing might be true of receiver so does a pattern emerge like is there is there a sense of at all at this at this early juncture what they might do in rounds one through three? Oh, Rabs, I mean, I haven't been able to figure it out. Other than I really think that they're not going to take a corner early. That's the that's the only thing I've checked off my list. Um, I think that that's not going to happen. And also, too, I don't know if they're going to if they're going to. De- dabble with with wide receiver too because uh, i mean it's going to be if if you don't get one early one of the top ones then it's basically kind of you know you never know and that's kind of what happened last year and with with tolbert and it's like you never know so they've kind of um put themselves situation where that's not going to be a problem um so that's really the only things i've really been able to conclude so far i mean i'm gonna have to keep digging and, and try to figure some things out but um, and also too, I know they're getting a running back in in this draft because there's so many of them. That's mm-hmm. the outside of that. I just think it's wide open. It's just you know, it, there's a lot of a lot of different ways the Cowboys can go in this year's draft. I agree. I, I think that. I mean, I, I think that it's it's still so early, and and it, it's true that there's not a, a lot of clarity. I, I would say that 
if we take what we just talked about, I think there's a pretty a pretty decent chance they'll take an offensive guard or offensive tackle early. I think there's a decent chance uh, that they'll take a running back. And we're talking about first two days, right? Running back in the first two days that they don't want to necessarily wait till day three to get a running back if they can help it. There's a lot of there's a lot of quality at the bottom of round two if they don't, if they're one of the top if the one a and one b that we were just talking about don't happen to be there or they don't want to go there. I think that I think there's a chance that we'll see a corner in the first three rounds as well. I know I know it doesn't seem like it, it's it's a position of, of great need, but I think that they are does match it does match something they're going to need going up to next year. And I wouldn't surprise me if they. If an edge falls, if they go, it's going to be a really interesting draft because they don't have a lot of glaring needs other than guard. And, and I'm not sure that's even a need either. I mean, it, it's, I don't know if they see it as a need. Um, it reminds me a lot, and let's wrap up on this idea. It reminds me a lot of the 2015 draft, which was the Byron Jones draft, where they were drafting in about the same spot. And there were, you know, but, but at that point, the permutations are almost endless. There's so many possibilities and you're just sort of hoping that a, that a good athlete at a position where you, you know, you aren't absolutely stocked will fall, but there were like three or four different positions. They were looking at defensive ends. They were looking at offensive linemen. They were looking at corners and, you know, Byron Jones fell to them and, and that's who they got. And it was great. And, but you know, we, some people thought Jones would fall and a lot of people thought they'd get a different position, you know? So I think it's going to be a similar sort of thing where I think we can probably narrow it down to three positions, but there's no way we can, I think it's going to be a big challenge this year, unlike it was last few years, to to kind of score out. Okay, I think this is what's going to happen in each round. You know, I think last I think last year, if you had said offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver, everyone would have been like, "Yep, yep, that's it." Uh huh. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be surprising at all. No, I, I agree, and I, I I feel like it's getting more and more challenging to figure out. Too, I, I thought I was getting good at it. You mentioned Byron Jones, and you know, I remember that. Was, you know, I, I predicted him. The Cowboys take him mm-hmm. when I believe it was twenty-seven. Was, oh, we were mm-hmm. um, but now it's like these last few drafts. Of course, CD was kind of a surprise, um, but yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm I don't know. I haven't been able to get figure figure out what the Cowboys are doing. So yeah, definitely. I, that's what's going to make this so fun and so interesting as we you know get closer to the draft because it's it's we're, it's going to be full of surprises. You know, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. But I'm also excited to say that that is all the time we have for today. Um, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything we could do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any draft prospects that you like, or what is your favorite uh, movie soundtrack, uh, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last dismissed.